Let's pray. Father in heaven, we take a little time here to come apart to worship you. And we thank you for all that you have done for us. May how we live show our gratitude to you. In Christ's name, amen. I want to welcome the tribe of Otadi here, <laughs> one of the missing tribes of Israel. And uh, yeah, Bobby and Wendy, I don't know if they're still here or not, but that, that was their son that was baptized, correct? Yes, uh, Zach. Jake, 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 Jake. What a blessing. And we are very happy to have Pastor Frank, Otadi, and Kathy from our sister church at uh, Spring Meadows. We're so privileged and honored to have you here with us today. And Pastor Waters, who did the baptism, both grandfathers are pastors, right? Man, they've got that covered, don't they? Free weddings, free baptisms, everything. Huh? Oh, we don't think about those. No, we don't talk about funerals, no. But uh, Pastor Frank, Kathy, we're so glad you're here. And my dear cousin Leanne is here. I see her. Leanne, I'm going to point her out. She's, uh, she came uh, today to hear me. So we're glad you're here. And I'm glad you're all here. And Pastor Jeff and Alicia online, say hi. Balcony, hi. Uh, 400, 500 people online. Hi online. We wish you were here. And for those out in the rooms, the deacons, we see you. We know you're there and all the others. So today we are going to talk, we're finishing our third summer series on fundamental beliefs of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this is the last one. We did the church last week. We did Christian behavior uh, the week before. This is the last one for this summer. We'll probably keep going. We haven't covered all 28 yet, but they gave me the last one, and they gave me a real easy one. Unity. Non-controversial. Unity. So we're going to take a look here today at the good news of unity in Jesus. I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I went to Greater Philadelphia Junior Academy. My dad was the pastor at the Chestnut Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church. It was a two-story church and I used to run all over that church and find all the different places and be all over the place. And I grew up in Philadelphia, and uh, Philadelphia is a city soaked in American history. So you have Independence Hall, you have Valley Forge, you have Ben Franklin's tomb, you have Betsy Ross's house. But there was one thing that I hated about Philadelphia the Liberty Bell, the cursed Liberty Bell. You know why I cursed the Liberty Bell? Every time somebody came to visit us, they wanted to see the Liberty Bell. And we had to drive down to see the Liberty Bell. And I got tired of seeing the Liberty Bell. How many of you have seen the Liberty Bell in person? If you go to Philadelphia, you've got to see it. It used to be when I was little there in the 70s, it was in, it was in Independence Hall. But for the bicentennial, they moved it out into a big area outside and they've left it there. So in regards to unity, Ben Franklin had a nice quote. He said, we must indeed all hang together or most assuredly 
we shall all hang separately. These founding fathers coming from 13 different unique colonies came together in Philadelphia in 1776 to try to work out a plan for how to deal with the political issues of their day. 13 colonies. We weren't a United States yet. Before there was the United States of America, there were these 13 colonies who each viewed themselves almost as separate countries with separate religions, with separate cultures. They even talk different. They talk New England a certain way, which I'm not going to copy. They talked in the South a certain way, which I'm not going to copy. And th they were a different, unique group. But they came together and somehow, somehow they became the United States of America. And they wrote the Declaration of Independence and they signed it. And there is a Roger Sherman on that declaration, no relation, but at least Sherman's on the document. So I want to get a little publicity for that. So they, they, they came together. They united against a common enemy and declared their independence. I like definitions. I need definitions. So since we're talking about unity, how does the dictionary define unity? Well, one, the first one, the quality or state of not being multiple. That's an interesting way to say it. I never thought of it that way. I can understand the next three a little better. A condition of harmony. Who likes harmony? I, like, I don't like conflict. I don't like arguments. I don't like fights. Why was I a principal for 27 years? What was that? What? Pastors, we have none of that, right, Frank? No, no controversy. A, we like harmony, a condition of harmony. The quality or state of being made one. And I think this is where God really wants to take us. He wants to make us one with him. And we're going to see what that means. And the final one, a totality of related parts. So some examples of unity, and I hate to say this, most of these are in name only. And I'll start again with the United States of America. I don't know if as a country if we've ever been totally united. Maybe the closest in talking to Pastor Graves, he can remember December 7, 1941, the attack on Pearl Harbor. And he told me how he signed up and the country signed up and everybody united and people gave up, oh, I don't know, eating certain things and buying certain things. And the whole country was united in war. And many of us remember um, September 11, 2001, brought us together as a country. United States of America. How about the United Nations? I think the only thing they're united on is where they meet. The only thing they're united on is where they meet. Because if you ever study the United Nations or follow what they're doing, they are arguing a lot, in conflict a lot. They're 160 some nations with different agendas, but they're called the United Nations. United Kingdom, we've heard of that. United Arab Emirates. United Airlines. 
I don't see these on TV too much anymore, but the United Way, remember that campaign, those commercials? I think they still have it. The United Methodist Church. Um, my cousin goes to Unity Church, correct? That's the name of it, Unity Church. And for us Adventists, a, a couple little things going on. Maybe you've heard of the Unity Document. If you haven't heard of it, read it. And then just recently we had in London a Unity Conference. So unity would appear to be an important thing in our walk. And it's one of our fundamental beliefs. But before we talk about unity, we got to talk about division. It's just so much more fun, so much more juicy, so much more interesting. Does anybody sit at a dining room table anymore and eat supper? Does anybody do that? Yeah, we used to do it growing up and... And um, we had a big window in the front of our house and the neighbor, she said to my mom, she said, I envy you guys because I see you sit down every night and eat together. But there was a phrase about how what you talk about at the dinner table or what's on the radio, what's on TV, what's on the internet. You don't really get a lot of, well, you get a lot of breaking news. Everything's breaking news these days. But you don't really get like breaking news. Unity was found in this place. Breaking news, harmony and goodwill in this place. Division seems to be, conflict seems to be something that people are more interested in talking about. So before we get to our unity factor, let's talk a little about division. And very quickly, divisions in the United States throughout our history, we will not talk current events. We'll just talk, we'll go 200 years back. We've had economic divisions. We've had cultural divisions. We've had racial divisions. We have had religious divisions. And shockingly, since the very beginning and before, political divisions. It's part of the American story. The Civil War. The American Civil War. Can you believe that for four years Americans were nonstop killing other Americans in just total brutality? That Abraham Lincoln never really was president of the United States. He really was president of the northern states because when he was elected, the South seceded, divided, and the war started. And his entire presidency, man, you look at his picture when he went into office and his picture when he went out of office, it took a toll on him. It took a real, real toll on him. So our country was divided in that deep struggle of politics, culture, and race. Divisions in the Christian church. You, you all know the Christian church is divided in three parts, right? That's your first question on your quiz. What, is the, what are the three parts that the Christian church is divided into? Catholic, Protestant, and little talked about the Orthodox Church. Those are the three main divisions, Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox. We, I hope you all know that we are in the Protestant lane. How many, did, how many denominations in the Protestant churches? Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. Catholic Church has its divisions. The Orthodox Church has Eastern Orthodox, Greek Orthodox. So there are divisions in the church. And in the church, two of the 
hot words that you may have heard of, liberal, conservative, everybody has those divisions, those conflicts. The other one we have in the Christian church, we have the Western world and we have the rest of the world, different cultural divisions within the church. Okay, fasten your seatbelts, because if I'm going to talk about the country and I'm going to talk about the Christian church, I have to bring it home, don't I? I have to talk about divisions in the Seventh-day Adventist church. But we're going to get to unity, but if we want unity, we have to understand where our challenges are. Oh, yes, those words conservative and liberal pop up quite a lot, quite a lot. And we also have the North American church and the world church. Sorry to say we have racial divisions of conferences, which I wonder how the world looks upon that. We have the pro and anti-women's ordination sections. We have divisions on worship styles. And one of the big ones, I think, for us is generational divisions. Man, I used to be in the young church. Frank, we used to be young. We were the youth. We were the future. We still young here, right? But it's divided. I see it divided really between birth to 30, 30 to 60, my group, and uh, 60 and above. And how those groups worship, how they give, how they view Ellen White and the church, how, how they do a lot of things are very different. And I was in a a small group a while back, I won't tell you what state I was in to protect the person, but uh, somebody made the comment, there's no more true Adventists anymore. And that scared me a little, scared me. So we're generationally divided. But let's get happy, let's get positive. Let's look at our fundamental belief, number 14, unity for the Seventh-day Adventist church. And I wanna say at the beginning, these are beautiful words. These are beautiful words. I long for them to be who we are and who you are. So let's read these beautiful words. Fundamental belief 14 on unity for the Seventh-day Adventist church. The church is one body with many members called from every nation kindred, tongue, and people. In Christ, we are a new creation. Distinctions, distinctions, divisions of race, culture, learning, and nationality, and differences between high and low, rich and poor, male and female must not be divisive among us. Beautiful words. We are all equal in Christ, who by one spirit has bonded us into one fellowship with him and with one another. We are to serve and be served without partiality or reservation. Through the revelation of Jesus Christ in the scriptures, we share the same faith and hope and reach out in one witness to all. And finally, 
This unity has its source in the oneness of the triune God who has adopted us as his children. There's a lot there. A lot of beautiful words. A lot of strong challenges for us. Asking us, how will we live according to these words? I'm going to chop it up real quick and real briefly and break this down. Number one, it says that we are to be unity in one body. I want to say to my dear church that I love, the world church and our church, let's grow up. Let's be mature Christians. Let's take these words, live them out, and treat each other according to this. We all are on the same team, right? We are all on the same team, same team. We have different strategies, how to execute certain plays and how to win, but we are all on the same team. Unity in one body. Number two, probably the one that I think about a lot the most, unity in respect for differences. And I want to read it again. It says, In Christ we are a new creation, distinctions of race, culture, learning, and nationality, and differences between high and low, rich and poor, male and female, must not be divisive among us. Church, we need this today. We need to pray for our church, our local churches, our North American church, our world church. We need to pray that we will not walk down a road of divisiveness but that we can find unity together in differences. In differences. Third, in our belief, it talks about unity in Christ. It's all about Jesus. We've been talking in the frame series. The frames are the doctrines. Unity is the frame. Jesus is the center. Make Jesus the center of your heart, your mind, your motives. If you're going to debate someone theologically... Make Jesus the center. I was in a bookstore a couple weeks ago. Gentleman sitting on the floor. Young man looking at some books. And I started talking to the young man. I said, what do you do? And he says, I am a missionary to the atheists at the University of Central Florida. I said, wow. Tell me about that. So he tells me he goes and he talks with them and interacts with them. And then you know what's coming next. He, he asked me, what do you do? <laughs> now, I have a friend, when people ask him that, he says that he is a, uh, a fish kidney salesman. As a joke. And people say, what is that? What are you talking about? But no, he asked, I said, I'm a pastor. Well, you know the next question. What church do you pastor? And I said very proudly, Forest Lake Seventh-day Adventist church and the gentleman on the ground shot up like the space shuttle when he heard Seventh-day Adventist and he said to me and he pointed at me he said you're a legalist and your church is wrong because you were founded by a woman and the Bible doesn't allow that and you think that people are saved by keeping the Sabbath. 
I tried to say something. He went on. And finally, I got in, we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ that we are only saved through blood and faith in Jesus Christ. And he said, no, you don't believe that. <laughs> I wasn't worried about him. I'm not going to reach him. I think I just, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's going to be very difficult for me to connect with him. I was concerned about the young man watching. And my reaction to the other man, I didn't want to argue. I didn't want to fight. I wasn't going to move him. We went back and forth for a while. And when he left, he went out the door and he said, because you're a legalist, you're going to hell. I said, God bless you. It's been an experience to talk with you. Um, <laughs> go in peace. In Christ, we have to behave and be a certain way. And the young man afterward, he says, how did you stay calm like that? I said, what was my choice? Fighting, arguing is not going to make a difference. So we are in Christ to be united in our mission, how we serve and how we serve, in our faith, in our hope, in our witness. And this unity is found in God. Okay. Before I get to Jesus and Paul, I want to have a few comments on my thinking and study here on what unity does not mean. Unity does not mean that we all worship in the same way. I say that to my generational groups in the Adventist church. Unity does not mean that we all worship in the same way, but we all worship the same God. Jesus Christ. Unity does not mean that we all must agree on everything all the time. Have you ever gone on a family vacation? Have you ever, I'm the one on the family vacation that makes the agenda, and there are no deviations from the agenda. <laughs> Have you ever gone on a family vacation where there's two or three of you that make the agenda? and conflict arises and things are different. I've never met two people that are together that agree on everything together. Nadine and I haven't agreed on everything all the time. Have you and Kathy, Frank, all the time? No, I mean, you put a group together, no one is ever gonna agree on everything all the time. But we'll see in a minute what we can agree on. Number three, unity does not mean that we cannot ask questions. Hey guys, we're Protestants. That's what we do. That's how we started. Luther put 95 questions on a door and set off the Reformation. Unity does not mean that we cannot ask questions. When I was in the seminary back in the 80s, I'm not going to tell you where I sat, but the classes would sit liberal and conservative. And the teachers were liberal and conservative. And if you were smart, you kept quiet and nobody knew what you were. Unity does not mean that one culture should take priority over another culture. And North America has been at fault for a long time 
in imposing culture in other places. Okay, if your seatbelts are fastened, make sure your airbags are activated. <laughs> Unity does not mean that one gender dominates and rules another gender. And finally, unity does not mean that we all interpret all of the Bible in the same way all the time. So enough about what I think. What does Jesus say? What does Jesus want? What is his challenge to us in unity? We are Protestants. We go to scripture. We listen to his voice. Jesus, what do you say to us? And Jesus said in John 17, 20 through 23, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word. If we believe in Jesus, we're united. Verse 21, that they all may be one. How? As you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us. One united in relationship with God. Why? That the world may believe that you sent me. Church, if we're united and we love each other and we love the world, it's gonna be a witness to the world because there are very few places in the world where anyone is united in anything. We as a church can be different, a city on a hill shining. Verse 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given to them. Are you kidding me? Jesus is willing to share the glory that they may be one just as we are one. There's nothing Jesus values more than his relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit and bringing us into that relationship. God allows us to know him. Jesus has revealed God to us that they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. We can find perfection in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We cannot find perfection in our private behavior. In relationship with him, by faith, through grace, his righteousness covers our sins and we're perfect in him. He says, 23, I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one and the world may know that you have sent me. And I don't understand, Frank, I don't understand this. And have loved them as you love me. The father loves us as much as his son. I don't understand it, but I'll take it. I'll take it. What did Paul say in Ephesians 4 about unity? I therefore, Paul says, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling 
with which you were called, church. We're going to walk out of here worthy to the calling. And here's what that looks like in verse 2. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing one another in love. I had somebody this week behind me at a light that was not bearing with me in long-suffering. And their horn rang a clear signal out that it was time for me to go, and I wasn't moving. Long-suffering, lowliness, gentleness, bearing one another in love. So when one of our brothers and sisters messes up, instead of talking about them and gossiping and saying how terrible it is, what can we do to bring them back in love into the unity of the family? Paul says endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And this is a challenge in the church, in our families, in our culture, but we endeavor to do it. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope. I think he likes the word one here. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all of you. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, I like this. Are we there yet? I don't think we're there, but we're heading there. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We can be united in our faith. We can be united in our mission. We can be united in ministry. So here you go, church. Here's the challenge to you and me, to us as a church body today. There's only eight. You only have to remember eight. Only eight things. Try to get one of them. Okay. First one, first challenge. Let us be united on the things that really matter. Let us choose to be united on the things that really matter. Jesus, what really matters? Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe on the mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, Faith. Let's be united in justice and in mercy and in faith. Number two, may we be united on principles. What principles? Love, peace, forgiveness. Here's one that sort of disappeared. Purity, service, honesty, Modesty, can we agree on those things? Can we agree that all those things are good? Absolutely. And may we remember that if we agree on principles, practices are something that we don't have to always agree on. Principles and practices are different things. What are practices? Well, worship style is a practice. Dress is a practice. But if you have modesty, it covers it. Music. What we eat, and Pastor Jeff talked a few weeks ago about 
the practice of circumcision, that's a real bummer for evangelism. If you make circumcision something that all believers have to do, that really kills your numbers. Those are practices. Let's agree on principles. We can differ on practices. Challenge number four. May the example of Jesus be at the heart of everything that we believe and practice. May we keep Jesus centered in everything we do. Challenge number five. May the lives of all people be made better by the unity of love that we live in the church. The church should make its community better, the places we work better, our families better, our friends better, each other better. Number six, may we as the church truly be united in living the gospel for each other in a world that desperately needs Jesus. Number seven, may we in all things be united on the principle of love. And finally, may unity be more than a word. May unity be more than a word. May unity be who we are and what we do because of what Jesus has done in our lives.